address? Yes. Is that you, Patsy? Uh-huh. It finally happened. The Bowers are off for a week's leave to Western Supermare at the crack of dawn tomorrow. So, at last we're ready. You're quite sure that this of an amateur naturalist is serious this time? Absolutely sure. Their train leaves from Walton Cross Station at 6.30. Crackerjack. Now, all you have to do is to ring up an apiarist and we're in business. Do you know of one offhand? Oh, no, darling, no, darling. We mustn't ring an apiarist. Bowers is a well-known naturalist. After all, he might easily be known to anyone we telephone. Oh, good point. How do we get the bees out? You're not suggesting that I do the job. <laughs> Don't be silly, darling. But what you must do is ring a firm in the West End that specializes in odd sort of jobs and get them to fish out the bees. Got a pencil handy? Yes, right here. Fire away. The telephone number is Grosvenor 5995. The company is called Assignments Unlimited and the address is 33 Half Moon Street. No money for honey. Even as the man was speaking to me on the telephone, I was making a mental note to subcontract the job. It must have been Ned Benson's sudden arrival that put it out of my mind. Certainly, the outcome might have been dramatically different if I had subcontracted. All I could remember at the time was the man's preoccupation with the Queen. Uh, the Queen Bee, that is. This entomological phenomenon had more importance for him than Sheba had for Solomon. It's of paramount importance, Mr. Mason, that you find the Queen. She's always at the back of the hive, and unless you dislodge her, all your efforts will have been to no avail. The bees will simply multiply all over again. I understand that, Mr. Barr. Professor Barr. You see, I've been given a week's unexpected leave. My wife and I are off in the morning to Western Supermare for a bit of a break. I would like the bees removed before I get back. In fact, if you can do the job tomorrow, so much the better. Well, I'll do my best, Professor. I'm not sure that I have an expert in my staff, but, well, you can rely on us to complete the task satisfactorily. I take it you'll want the swarm removed to another hive. I'm not in the least bit concerned with what you do with the wretched things as long as they're gone before my return. But I emphasize that I must have the Queen. Dead or alive. <laughs> Sounds like a tribal war in darkest Africa. It's no laughing matter, Mr. Mason. I've been plagued with these bees for months now. My wife won't let me go near them, and this week at the coast is heaven sent. I can sleep easily if I know they'll be gone when I return. Oh, just leave everything to us, Professor Barr. Now I'll have them out of there first thing tomorrow morning. Thank you. Well, I think that's all, Mr. Mason. Uh, well, you haven't given me the address, Professor. Oh, of course. No wonder they say professors are absent-minded, eh? <laughs> it's number 24, River Lee Cottages, Freezy Water, Hertfordshire. You got that? Oh, we'll find it easily. It's on the Green Line bus route, actually. Oh, I know the area well, Professor. Well, that's all, I think. Don't forget the Queen, will you? I won't. Well, goodbye. Have a nice holiday, Professor. Goodbye. Oh, well, that sounded like a summary dismissal. Was it a client? Yes, Benson, a professor of entomology. Bees. And so that's why you told him to buzz off. Oh, easy on the puns, Benson. <laughs> I've got a sting in my tail, too. And your client's got a bee in his bonnet, hmm? What gives? Well, he's got bees in his cottage roof, and while he's on holiday, he wants us to remove them. 
Know anything about bees? No, I'm strictly a boy for two-legged honeys. Oh, I should have known better than to ask. Ned Benson, the glamour puss of assignments unlimited. Now, no, wait a minute, Chief, please. I... Hi, Ned. Hi, Chief. Oh, hello, General. How'd you go? Oh, dead easy. I drove the old boy to the Queen Mary and, using my delectable charms, got him on board the Queen in half an hour. See, modesty, the female glamour puss of assignments unlimited. Mm. What's eating him? Yeah, we also have our problem of the queen. Uh, not the queen Mary. A lesser monarch, a queen bee. Well, when I see a bee in this office, I eliminate it. Like that. Uh, you sort of reckon we should spray them out? Huh? Why not? What's good for one is good for the whole family. Oh, don't you mean bad? Joe, we can kill those bees. It just isn't done. It's bad for the national economy. I wouldn't be surprised if they aren't protected by the Royal Society for the prevention of cruelty to animals. Anyway, the chief said the owner is a professor of entomology. That means you'll have a bug about bugs, you know. Hmm, he sounded a very young professor. Oh, and he didn't mind in the least about the bee's welfare, dead or alive with the queen. It's all the same to him. Oh, I can already hear the Newgate bell sounding its deathly toll. Oh, look, uh, honey, if you want to go and play Florence Nightingale to that swarm of bees, it's all right with me, but I stay right here. Either we heist that queen mother with DDT or I'm not going. Were you ever bitten by a bee? No, but I was once stunned by Pearly King. All right, handsome. Death to the winged insect. Freezer water, did you say? I'll get the car. You'll get the cans of aerosol insect spray. Here's where we begin Operation Extermination. Look, uh, we should have come at night. Those things are active in the daylight. Look at the way they fly in and out of the hole there. The poison spray works just as well whether they're awake or asleep. The point is, at night, they're all inside the hive. In the daytime, they're flying around in the air. I can't kill them one at a time. We haven't got 10,000 squirts in this thing. I don't expect you to kill them as though you were on a, on a clay pigeon shoot. Walk right up to the hive and shoot the works down the hole. First, I'm going to buy myself a mosquito net. Oh, don't tell me you're chicken. No, not chicken exactly. It's I, I feel like a Nazi pilot over London. <laughs> Those flying lances look very determined to me. Excuse me. Uh, were you looking for Professor Bauer? I'm afraid he's gone away. Uh, no, no, ma'am. We're from Assignments Unlimited. We were sent to eradicate the swarm of bees. Yeah. The professor rang up last night and asked us to come down. Ah, hey, Pierce. Well, with the uh, homicidal tenants. Uh, yes, yes, that's right. I'm Jill Perkins, and this is Ned Benson. Hi, hi. Oh, how nice to have someone new to talk to. It's very lonely here, you know. Oh, I'm Mrs. Cratchley. As you see, the cottages are semi-detached, and I live in the one next door. Can I offer you a nice cup of tea? Well, after the extermination, we'd be grateful, ma'am. Surely you're not going to harm the bees. Oh, they won't feel oh, a thing. Of course what? not, Mrs. Cratchley. This is a new kind of spray that just stuns the creatures to move them to a place of safety. What? Oh, I wondered. You see, the old professor so loves his bees. In fact, he loves all insects. They've been his life's work. Did you say old, Professor Mrs. Cratchley? Oh, was that rude of me? Oh, dear, and I'm not so young myself, am I? Well, we've, we've never met the professor. Our chief said he sounded young on the telephone. Sounded young? Oh, goodness me, he would be amused. The professor's on the wrong side of 70 and suffers badly with his chest. That's why they've gone on holiday to the sea. They both much prefer it. All right, so the chief needs an ear, syringe. So what about the flying termites now? These are not termites. Um, Mrs. Cratchley... Is there any way we might get at the bees' nest from inside the house? Why, yes, I think so. 
If you got up into the attic, you should be able to reach the nest easily. I, I haven't been up there myself, of course, but I know the professor used the attic when he inspected the bees and took some of the honey. I have a key to the cottage if you'd like to go in. Oh, it's very kind of you, Mrs. Cratchley. It'll make our job so much easier. Are you sure it's no trouble? Oh, no trouble at all. You get everything ready in the meantime. I won't be a moment. Well, look, honey, what's all this mercy airlift jazz maroon? You know, finally going to exterminate the bees. It was a little white lion head. Might have upset the old lady if she thought we were going to kill her. Well, she's going to find out soon enough. Not necessarily. The chief can explain what happened in a note when he sends off the bill to the professor. He didn't keep up the appearance. Funny about him, Ned. The chief said he was young and couldn't care less about the insect world. Mrs. Cratchley says the opposite. Look, the chief only heard this old guy on the phone. Do I make a big drama about it? Let's go and gas the sugar factory and go home, please. Scratch his car. I've got the key. I believe the important member of the hive is the queen. Is that not so? Yes. Yes, that's right. And if you have the queen, you can start off a hive anywhere. Anywhere that gives the bees cover and quiet. As a matter of fact, Professor Bauer was most emphatic about his queen. We must be quite sure to get her safely. Oh, it's really quite exciting, isn't it? I never thought I'd see the day when I would enthuse over the life cycle of the mantis. <laughs> but since I've met the professor, he's opened up a whole new world to me. Ah, well, now let's open the door, shall we? Ah, there we are. It's a, a loft more than an attic. Uh, the stairs lead right up from the hall here. Will you be long? Not, not so very long. Uh, Mrs. Cratchley, this is a, a sort of new kind of gas. It's a, a sort of experiment. Like I, I, I don't think under the circumstances you should stay oh, here. Oh, I'm I... not in the least bit worried, Miss Percy. Nevertheless, I, I think Ned is right. Nobody can ever be quite sure how bees will react. Oh. We both feel much easier in our own minds if you were safely inside your cottage. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, very well. I'll put the kettle on, and then you can come right over when you. Finished. How's that? Oh, just right, right. Oh, I won't keep you then. As soon as you've finished. Well, now you've kind of made me feel like a murderer. Come on. How can you say that? Whoever could get murdered in this sleepy hollow? Is that spray safe for humans? Yes, and animals. Shall I empty some into the air? Yeah, mopping up operations for strays. How can you mop up before the operation's begun? Look, so far in this assignment, the cart's been before the horse all the way. Oh, there's the hole. Yeah, it's better from the inside. <clears throat> Watch it if they go crazy, make a run for the trap door and jump through, all right? All right. Ned. What is it? I'm scared. Oh, this is a great time to go feminine on me. Oh, you'll be all right. Hand me that spray. Here. Thanks. Well, here it goes. I keep your fingers crossed. Let's have a look around here. See, over here, Jill, this is where the professor took his honey. Now, where did you say the queen was enthroned? Oh, uh, along that little tunnel. Mm -hmm. She said the queen bee is the one furthest in, and that's the furthest in. All right, I'll put my hand down and see if I can feel her. <clears throat> I just hope all the guards are kaput. 
Jill, there's, there's something in here. What? I don't know. I'm going to pull it out so we can have a look at it. A human skull. Is, is it old? No, no, it's not old. Look at the cranium. It's been crushed in by a blow. Oh, no. Joe, this guy, whoever he was, was murdered. Inspector Percy Margot was a kindly-looking man. He asked his questions with an apologetic air and seemed almost embarrassed that murder should be committed in the metropolitan area. But, well, this was merely a pose. Margot of the murder squad was a ruthless and painstaking investigator with a hide of leather and a will of steel. He used the cottage with its grim relic as his base for operations, smiling benignly on Mrs. Cratchley, who, bubbling over with excitement, relished the discovery of the cottage's ghastly secret. She ploughed stoically to and from her kitchen, plying the inspector with an endless river of piping hot tea. He'd been there for two days before he sent for me. Oh, sit down, Mr. Mason. Oh, don't be apprehensive. The murder wasn't committed in this cottage. Do you know where it was committed? Well, nothing is certain in this world. Well, almost nothing. The one thing I can guarantee is a good cup of tea. What about it, Mrs. Gratley? Uh, in a minute, Inspector. Mm, she means it. Can't bear to be away from the investigation for a minute. I could use her if she were 50 years younger. <laughs> you know Bottomley, I believe? Yes. He's a very close friend of mine, as a matter of fact. He's on another case. Now, let's get down to business. An unknown person telephoned you on the night of the 24th and said he wanted you to remove a bee's nest from this cottage, huh? Well, that's not entirely correct. He said he was Professor Bower. Uh, would you describe his voice? For instance, did he sound like a professor? Well, I'm not sure what a professor is supposed to sound like. Well, his voice was young, and for an entomologist, he displayed a singular disattachment for the insect world. In fact, he told you to kill the bees. Well, alive or dead. It was all the same to him. You see, Professor Bow is an old man with an harmonious attachment to all insects. If he thought you were going to kill his bees, he might easily contemplate killing you. But it wasn't Professor Bower who phoned you. I've been in contact with him, and I've told him to stay on holiday. Well, if not him, then whom? The person who wanted you to find the skull. But why us? How long had the skull been there? Just over a year. And to answer your other question, I think I know why the person rang you. Professor Bauer is a well-known entomologist. Now, if this person had telephoned an apiarist, he might have accidentally hit upon a friend of the professor. And that might have started inquiries and scotched the whole deal. You mean an apiarist might know the professor's voice on the phone? That, or he might wish to see the professor personally. Didn't it strike you as odd that the man of Bower's experience and reputation should ask anyone to remove a swarm of bees for him? A task he must have performed himself a thousand or more times. Well, as a matter of fact, it did. The man himself explained that away without my asking him. He said he couldn't stand the things, but, well, was forced to tolerate them because of his wife. An insect expert who didn't like when I've met point-duty policemen who can't stand pedestrians, I've yet to find a physician who's friendly with the microbes he fights. Oh, touche. But you have your answer as to why you were put on the job. Well, not entirely, Inspector. You said the man who phoned was the person who wanted us to find the skull. If this person knew of the existence of a murdered man's skull in the wall of the cottage, why didn't he simply ring the police? He wanted the discovery to look like an accident. I'm still in the dark. 
Obviously, it couldn't be the murderer who telephoned, but it could have been an accomplice who, for some reason, wished to double-cross his erstwhile colleague. Or oh, the murderer's wife, Mr. Mason. Yes, yes, the wife. Well, that would add up. She was to see justice done, but couldn't bring herself to inform the police. Yeah, but wait a minute. It was a man who rang. Yes. He was so emphatic about that Queen Bee, he must have known the skull was there. He must have known all about it, everything. So that discounts the wife's theory. No. No? <laughs> it's unfair getting you to theorize. I have the advantage of you. I know the identity of the murdered man. Already? Oh, I knew who he was two days ago. Now, if you go over there in the corner and sit very quietly with Mrs. Cratchley's cup of tea, you can listen to a conversation I'm about to have with a certain young lady. And then you can tell me what you make of it, all right? That's jolly nice of you, Inspector. Bottomley is my senior at the yard. Inspector Margot, if I'd committed a murder, I'd hate to have you on my track. Well, apart from gang murders that I don't give a fig for anyway, I always get my man. Or woman. Oh, come in, Mrs. Lager. Oh, thank you, Inspector. Yeah, this way, Mrs. Lager. I do have a chair. Oh, thank you. Do you mind awfully if I smoke? This has been a bit of a shock. Please do. I take it then that Sergeant Wells filled you in on the details of the case on the way down here. Yeah, yes, he did. There's no doubt about it. I mean, it really is, Uncle Benjamin. I'm afraid so. Oh, how ghastly. You have my deepest sympathy, Mrs. Laker. You're very kind, Inspector. Now, I'd like you to fill in a few details for me, if you will. Anything I can do, Inspector. Anything. Can you recall the circumstances of your uncle's death? It was over a year ago. Well, I mean, just a general outline. Oh. Well, Uncle Benjamin was the adventurous one in the family. He was addicted to skin diving, often swam in heavy seas. Yes. Well, he, he just disappeared one day without trace. Two months later, his... His remains were washed up on the beach near Torquay. That's, that's about it, Inspector. His remains were easily identified, Mrs. Laker, despite the fact that the head was missing? Yes. At the inquest, a verdict was brought in of death by misadventure. But now we know otherwise. The head was removed because, had it still been attached to the body... It would have been obvious to anybody that your Uncle Benjamin was bludgeoned to death with a blunt instrument. In short, he was brutally murdered, decapitated, and then thrown into the oh, sea. Please, Inspector. Yes, I, I do go on a bit, don't I? I'm sorry. Anyway, we have the head now. It was found in this cottage. Who was the owner of this cottage, by the way, at the time of your uncle's death? We were. I mean, my husband was the owner. Oh, yes. And of course, um, your husband is in South America at the moment. On business. I'm sure that if he comes back, he can explain. If he comes back? Well, Mrs. Laker, we have extradition facilities with the Brazilian government. He'll be back if we want him. Your Uncle Benjamin was a pretty rich man. Yes. Peter, my husband, inherited everything. Is that when you sold this cottage? Yes, we could afford something, well, bigger. Peter likes Kent much more than Hertfordshire anyway. Do you have any children, Mrs. Laker? No. Why do you ask? No particular reason. You realize that things look pretty bad for your husband. Wait, yes, I, I suppose they do. Does he... Well, does Peter know what you found out about Uncle Benjamin? Only if he's read the English newspapers in Brazil. I haven't been in touch with him, if that's what you mean. How well do you know Mr. Dennis Mosley? 
Quite well. How long have you known him? Oh, for about two years. July the 18th last year. That would make it 17 months. You met on that date at the Kit Kat Club. If you knew, then why did you ask me? Talking bends my memory. Well, that's all, Mrs. Laker. Thank you so much for coming. Hope you have a pleasant trip back to uh, Kent, wasn't it? Yes. You won't want me again for anything, Inspector? No, Mrs. Laker. I shan't want you for anything more. Good day. Goodbye, Inspector. For the life of me, I can't see why you asked half of those questions. Well, you obviously knew where you're going. Oh, yes. Interesting woman, isn't she? Beautiful. Too beautiful for her own good. Do you think she knew all the time? I mean, she helped her husband to murder their uncle? Peter Laker is a quiet, studious sort of fellow. Museums and things. That's what he's doing in South America. Studying the dietetic habits of the upper Amazonian Hivaros. But there remains one pebble on the beach we haven't kicked yet. It happens to be the most important one. At least, the one who's the reason for you being here. Me? You're not here entirely because Bottomley is my senior. Now, grab that telephone. I've had these installed especially, and they're linked up to the cottage next door. Mrs. Cratchley is my assistant. I'm going to talk to someone. Now, you listen on the other phone, and wrap your handkerchief round the mouthpiece. I don't want him to hear that you are listening. Yes, Inspector? And put Mr. Dennis Mosley on the line, will you, Mrs. Cratchley? Oh, yes. Here he is, Inspector. Hello? Inspector Margot here, Mr. Mosley. Uh, how does one get to your cottage in Kent? But you must be mistaken, Inspector. I have no cottage in Kent. In fact, I haven't got a cottage anywhere. What? I must be barking up the wrong tree. I'm so sorry. Well, Mr. Mason? Oh, well, it's... It's him, of course, the same voice. I swear in court that it's the same man who spoke to me at 33 Harpoon Street. It wouldn't stand up as evidence in court, you know. But we don't need the evidence now, do we? You knew the identity of the murder all along, didn't you? Within two hours. But you know now, don't you? Yes, oh yes, I know now. Peter Laker was quite innocent of the killing. His wife and her lover, Dennis Mosley, planned it and executed it, and very nearly got away with it. They knew that Peter Laker was the sole beneficiary to Uncle Benjamin's will. Just as his wife, Patricia, was the sole beneficiary under the terms of Peter's own will. They murdered Uncle Benjamin, decapitated him, and hid the head in the wall of the cottage. Dennis planted a, a bee swarm in the hole for two reasons. The first was that the angry little insects would act as guardians of the skull. And secondly, once Peter had inherited the money from Uncle Benjamin's will, he was certain to sell the cottage and move to Kent. The purchaser of the cottage would be certain to have the bees removed, and in so doing would discover the skull. Peter Laker would be duly tried and convicted of first-degree murder. Patricia Laker would inherit the money, and she and her boyfriend could live happily ever after. But unfortunately, the cottage was purchased by a professor of entomology who loved the bees, and had no intention of disturbing them in any way. So Mosley and Patricia Laker had to wait until the professor vacated the cottage, and then get someone to clear away the bees, and, well, accidentally discover the skull. 
But it didn't work out quite so well as that, did it? 